Hi everyone and welcome to episode 113 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. Welcome back for our second episode of the year. I know. With baby. Yeah. It, we're it just going to keep bringing out baby. No, we're not. <laughs> it feels slightly strange doing an episode this soon to the last one. I know. I know. It's really, really bizarre. I like feel like it's not right. <laughs> it is right. <laughs> it is right. I was just like, we just did Kingdom Hearts Union and now we're automatically on Valve Union. But it's good because it means that we've started to actually plan what yeah, we're going to be talking true. about. It's true. It's so true. It's very true. We've got a calendar laid out. We've got like the next month or two's episode. We're starting to formulate a plan based around what's happening. Mm-hmm. So for example, the next episode, as I think we mentioned before, is going to be an episode specifically about Final Fantasy Explorers because it will be out by then. Yay, Final Fantasy Explorers. Yeah, so we're going to talk about everything Final Fantasy Explorers, spoiler free. Yes, yes. as spoiler free as we can be. As Yes, as we can be. But yes, um, we've got a two-segment show for you guys this episode. There's been pretty much no news since no. the last episode, which is, I guess is going to happen more regularly now, which is what we wanted. Yeah. So it means we have a chance to talk about things other than news. Yeah. Which is which is super. Yeah. Which is super. So for the first part of the episode, we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake and the whole multi-part thing, uh, because we haven't. I don't think we've really talked about it on the episode. Not yet, no. No, so... We're going to address that. We're going to talk about what we, how we feel about it, what we think it necessarily means. And we're also going to talk about, um, well, Square Enix have just kind of done something with another franchise on a similar theme. And that's interesting. We'll talk about that too. Um, and then we're going to go on to questions. Yeah. We have a question about lightning this episode. It's going to be interesting. Of course. Of course, lightning. So if you're a new listener, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every week now in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union. So if you're listening to the show this time next week, you'll be listening to some Kingdom Hearts stuff. Yep. And then in a fortnight, you'll have some Final Fantasy back again. Yeah. It's amazing. Wonder if there'll be any big news in that time. Uh, well, Explorers will be out. There's probably going to be something about that at some point. It's true. Um, but anyway, uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, but we also have the podcast freely available on FinalFantasyUnion.com and YouTube.com forward slash FFUnionVids. Mm. As we mentioned last episode, we have completely revamped our pledging system on Patreon and everyone seems to have responded really positively to it. So if you want to check that out, please go to Patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. We've got shout outs now though. So this is for everyone who's pledged more than $2.50 per episode and we are eternally grateful to those people. Yes. We are very, very grateful. So first up, we have Tiger Crane, who you can follow at Paupa Milkshake, which is P-A-O-P-U Milkshake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually sounds really good. I think they were talking about it on Kingdom Hearts Union, but yeah, Paupa Milkshake. Yum, yum, yum. Um, and Christian Burge. Then we have William Trengove, who you can follow at Varnis the Axure. And then we have Erwin Velez. Followed by Michael Graham. Then we have Zach Duranto, where you can find at ZDuranto58. Then we've got Chris Vallant, who you can follow at Moosehead Studio. And Harley Crawley, who you can find at DarkZT Okami. Then we've got Thorin Bullen. Then Alex Troutman, who you can find at Akira Name Jin. Then we've got Manning Franks at like underscore Peyton. And then Keith Field, where you can find at The Mighty Keith. And finally, we've got Billy Jackson, who is underscore Billy Jackson. Yeah, Billy Jackson. So yeah, thanks a lot, everyone, for your support. And if you want to get your name read out at the start of the show, then all you got to do is pledge $2.50 per episode. Mm. So we're going to head on to the first part of the show now, mm. which is a topic that was recommended by a user in the community called Jake Brown. And he wanted us to discuss the Final Fantasy VII remake being multi-part stroke episodic. And then... In the later point, we're going to then talk about what this potentially means for the rest of the compilation. So Crisis Core and Dirge of Cerberus. Mm. Mm. So this topic actually came up because uh, there was an interview published by Dengeki Magazine in Japan. And uh, it was Kataze and Nomura speaking about the Final Fantasy VII remake. And I don't think anyone expected this to come out of it. But they just kind of nonchalantly kind of talking about the fact that oh, we're actually going to split the Final Fantasy VII remake up into multiple parts. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, just like, uh, by the way, guys. <laughs> yeah, so um, Guitarzi in the interview said uh, the idea that a remake of Final Fantasy VII would not fit into a single release was there from the very beginning. So, yeah, it's, it's something that they've been planning to do this way. It's not like they suddenly just on a whim said, all right, let's just split this into multiple parts. It's It, it sounds like it was something that when they were in, in the initial planning, they were like, how are we going to make this work? Because obviously... They've been thinking about how they're going to make this work for a long time. Since probably that Final Fantasy VII tech demo. Yeah. Which was, yeah, PlayStation 3 era, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
And in the same interview, uh, Nomura expanded that a bit more and said they've, um, if they dedicated their time to a single release, parts of the game would be summarized. So, like, I guess they would just paraphrase or sort of gloss over it. Um, and so rather than make the remake that way, they decided to do it in multiple parts. Yeah. So he said that, yeah, if, if they did as a single release, then they'd have to cut things out. And if they wanted to add new things, it wouldn't be that common. Which I guess what they're like trying to avoid is they're trying to avoid a sort of Bethesda thing where they have this huge world and it's like super glitchy. Cause I feel like with these kind of games, it's very easy for it to get glitchy and Square Enix aren't really known for having glitchy games really like i don't think i've ever heard of a squaring of a final well, fantasy having episode desk guy had a couple yeah final Fa- episode desk guy did but there again that's a huge world isn't it i think that with that kind of thing you run the risk of having huge huge glitches and at least with it episodic you or sorry well it being in multiple parts um, they can probably resolve issues as well. I think it's also the fact that if you think about Final Fantasy VII, there are so many small little nuances to take place. Yeah. I mean, we've mentioned it before. Just small things like Fort Condor or, you know, the Honeybee Inn and what happens behind each of the doors. You've got to think for, for, from a modern development perspective, if they were going to have to recreate every single moment from the entire three-disc game... It's never coming out. No, it, it would just take them forever. Yeah. And or they'd have to have a, a massive monumental team, in which case it might not even be worth it financially to do it. Exactly. And like development aside, I mean like voice acting as well. They're planning on having the game being fully voice acted, so they would really, really have trouble filling in all those yeah, characters. It's, and it's not just the case of that. I mean, he mentioned the additional parts. It, it, it comes in ways like that, the fact that there's going to now have to be new voice dialogue because a lot of the old lines don't necessarily work if you if you just reenacted them. It, they're a bit like... It works as a text adventure. Yeah. But if you're talking about having a conversation, it you'd speak in a slightly different way. That's the other thing that's going to be interesting is how it how it translates. Because obviously there was that one guy who retranslated the whole of uh, Final Fantasy VII so that it actually made sense. And I wonder how those translations are going to affect the story and the I imagine they're going to just rewrite scenes. It's going to be the same premise the whole way through. Yeah. But, I mean, we've even seen it from the original uh, trailer they released. So there's going to be is initial parts of dialogue yeah i just wonder i do wonder how they're going to split it up if um like there's going to be certain bits that you can revisit in each part or if they're just going to completely cut it off well we're going to get on to that in a bit um but i think first i wanted to talk about this whole episodic thing okay. um, versus multi-part so it's not too common for people in this with this kind of thing to think of something as multi-part and namura made i think the mistake and maybe it was a mistranslation but he mentioned episode like the each part being an episode and obviously when you're talking about episodic it's there's a very different context and connotation behind what that means it's it's usually that the game it comes out after if like a six month period and then everything gets kind of segmented and i mean it works for certain games like life is strange from what i I haven't played it personally, but from what I gather, it's it works really well as an episodic game. And you have the Telltale games that work really well as episodic games. No one's really tried to do it for a game of this magnitude before. Until Square Enix just announced that they were doing it with another of their franchises. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Hitman has just been announced as an episodic game. When the game releases in March, you're going to get the prologue in the first city and it's going to cost you $15. Um, and then in April and May, they're going to release another two cities. And then throughout the rest of the year, there's going to be another three cities. And each of those cities is going to cost $10. Or you can just buy the whole thing initially as a full game and then just get the content for free when it rolls out. And the reason why they've done that is because it gives them extra time to work on the later levels, which I'm guessing are going to be more expansive. Um, I, I mean, it's an interesting approach. I honestly don't think the Final Fantasy VII will go down the same route as that. Mm. Um, why is that? Like, you just don't think that... I just don't think it makes sense. Uh, I mean, if... It's just that general thing. Typically, people think episodic is lower quality and they were very clear about multi-part. So multi-part for me, you're talking about like Mass Effect. So Mass Effect yeah. Trilogy is a multi-part game. Yeah. Really, the story is con- it's a coherent story. It's just spread out over three games. They could have done that story in one game, but they didn't want to because it would have been like the m- monumental undertaking for them to try and pull that together uh they've got books that supplement it like there's so much more to that story but it's still a self-contained entity the next mass fix game 
while it's going to be related in some way, it's not going to be the same characters as far as I'm aware. It's going to be a completely different arc. Really, like, I, I guess the trouble with it is just stems from the fact that when it was originally released, it was a full game. I mean, nobody seems to have much of a complaint about Final Fantasy fourteen being essentially incomplete story-wise because they come out with expansions. Yeah, and then you get to the end and, and it's just like, all right. Yeah, and but the story is still continuing. It's still the same story. It's just continuing more. But yeah, and nobody had a problem with, with Mass Effect. But that's because it was that originally. Well, it's um, Assassin's Creed as well. Like any yeah. game where there's like a consistent narrative... Obviously, the Assassin's Creed real-world story kind of, kind of got up. off the boil, but yep. a lot of people after Assassin's Creed 1 were really anticipating Assassin's Creed 2 because they wanted to know what was happened with the ending of Assassin's Creed 1, and likewise kind of continuing on until they started butchering it. But it's that same kind of thing. Now, I think the big difference with Final Fantasy 7 is that we already know the story. Mm-hmm. So there's not anything for us to wait for, if that makes sense. Yeah, because really we were not like holding off on a cliffhanger or anything. We know exactly is what what's going to happen. It it is really hard, isn't it? But I guess well, how do the uh, Game of Thrones games work? Because it's do those follow? But do do those follow the story of Game of Thrones? I think it might be slightly different. I think it's similar, but it's like The Walking Dead as well. I think it's because mm. they're decision based games, so you, um, it's. I'm not too sure. I haven't, I haven't played them, but... Yeah, I know. I think Walking Dead is completely different. Like, they're completely different characters, aren't they? I think they're they're completely different from the actual series. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that would that is pretty pissed off, if only because I just think, like, yeah, it's already been released as a full game, and I wanna, I'm a big advocate for games being released in full because I hate games that are released in parts. I hate, like, incomplete games. I think that it, it's just a way to get more money and that sort of thing. But in the same vein, I can kind of understand why they're doing this. Because essentially, Final Fantasy VII, if you think about it, it's the biggest game that they have. It's the absolute biggest game that they have. If they screw up it, like, that that would be so bad. Yeah. So if they released the full game and it was glitchy as hell, didn't look great, things just didn't feel right, they would be in the the crapper because like yeah they just essentially released a half-assed remake if anything i feel like maybe they'll put more effort or at least i hope they'll put more effort into a multi-part series into each part and you know give us a fuller experience by making it making each separate part really really great and i mean granted you know it's it is sort of like a money thing they'll make more money this way they'll make more money by doing the episodic way granted that's dependent on how much they charge i'm guessing they're going to charge about like i don't know 30 to 40 maybe for each part yeah no it's the whole thing so they've said that the reason why they're doing it this way and this is why it's as far as i'm aware it's not the same as an episodic game at all Mm. they want each game to be considered a triple a title of that level in its own right 60 Still. Yeah, so it's going to be, I, I imagine each game is going to be a full price game, mm-hmm. but they expect you to get the same experience that you would from each part of the Final Fantasy II remake. As you would as, for a regular game. Which is why it's a very good comparison to Mass Effect, because mm-hmm. each Mass Effect is seen as an, a separate installment. It's judged on its own merits, and there is enough content in there to warrant it as a full game. In Mass Effect, granted, I'm not, I'm not like a big Mass Effect player, but with regards to leveling, do you start over each time? Yes, but the sto- decisions you made in the story carried over. Because that's the thing that's sort of concerning me about this. Well, that's why I also mentioned Shenmue, because Shen- Shenmue, they had that system where everything you learned in the previous game you continued to have in the new game. Yeah. They had that kind of port over system, which yeah. is what they could potentially do because they're on one platform. So yeah. it's only on the PlayStation 4 as we're aware of at the moment. So they can they can build that into the infrastructure that... If you've, I mean, you see, it, like Dynasty Warriors even does it. Like they can tell if you've played the previous game. They what can, about, they can read your save file and they can pull in everything that you need to pull in. What about like weapons and stuff? I would imagine they're going to have to be careful because obviously you could then by doing it this way, you can enter into the game in part two. Mm. So I'd imagine they're going to have to do something to make it so that you don't get penalized for doing that. It's probably going to be that. Maybe if you've played the previous part, then you start this part with some boosts or some bonuses. So yeah, you'll probably end up with the weapons that you had, but they're, they're going to have to do it so that they don't penalize people that don't have all of that. Mm. It's going to be interesting, but I think my, for me, the way they're doing it this way is that 
Okay, so if you're talking about a AAA JRPG, typically these days those are 30 to 40 hour experiences. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII really is not a 30 to 40 hour experience as an, as an entirety. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to split that into multiple parts, say there's three or four parts, that means that that 30 to 40 hour game is now going to become a 120 hour game yeah. to more to 90 to 120 hour game. And that's excluding all of the side quest stuff. Like if you yeah. just focused on the Final Fantasy VII story and didn't do any of the additional stuff or just did a couple of bits of it, you can probably get through it in about maybe 20, 20 to 30 hours. Mm. And it's the same for like Lightning Returns. Like you can probably get through that in 30 to 50 hours, like if you're doing all right. So if they're saying they want this to be like a, a triple A experience. If it's sudden, if you complete the game in ten hours, everyone's just gonna be like, "What the? What, why did I just pay full price for an RPG I can complete in ten hours?" Exactly. But that makes me think, like, what are they gonna do about the side quests? Because you have like the golden chocobo, you have all the stuff that's in uh, Gold Saucer, um, the uh, the arena. Really, this is the only way that they can do the game is as a multi part because it is so big. I mean, there's yeah. so much and stuff. There's so many different aspects. I mean, like you think about if that we can talk about different split points in a minute. But like, if you think the first part is definitely going to contain Midgar, it has, yeah. it has to, like, yeah. at a minimum. Yeah, oh, it would it would be a bit strange if they split it in the middle of Midgar. Yeah, no. So it's probably going to be. I mean, the first split point for me would be leaving Midgar. That's that's when that's what that would be a natural split point. Like, yeah. if they wanted to have the whole first part as Midgar because there's so much. That happens in Midgar. Yeah, it really sets up the story. You meet Eris. So much stuff happens there. But at the same time, in the actual game, when you leave Midgar, what you're probably like level fifteen. <laughs> like it's or it's maybe, such a small part of the experience. But at the yeah. same time, so much happens. Well, I think I feel like the first part definitely has to include that snake thing with um, Sephiroth. Midgar Solemn. Yeah, where you go into the cave. But they, but they wouldn't need that because um, I mean you've got the whole thing with uh, Sephiroth killing the president Shinra. Yeah, like that that that's all true. happens before you even leave Mivgar. There's yeah, I mean there's so much. I mean Sephir- yeah, because Sephiroth could be introduced at that point. Mm-hmm. It depends how they want to do it. I mean that whole blood scene is going to be crazy. Oh, and that's going to be so creepy. Uh, they could make a bit more out of that in terms of who does it. People laugh at me, but I definitely think that this is going to be a, f- a frightening game. It's going to be creepy. There's going to be parts that are really creepy. Yeah, I mean, they can do so much because Sephiroth is really creepy. Yeah. And you've got, like, the black-caped men who are going to appear at certain points, and that's going to be pretty creepy. I also wonder how they'll handle the sort of conspiracy theories as well, because, like, I wonder if they will plug in a bit more of um, of other stuff that people have theorized, like how Cloud could potentially be doing everything, if they'll even entertain those kind of ideas. I don't know. I mean, this is the whole thing, because... Nomura is saying that they this doing it this way also gives them the chance to add additional parts. Mm. So I, I mean, I mean, we were talking about the length. Well, I was talking about the length, but I mean, that's obviously going to be elongated by addition. They're going to have additional cutscenes now. It's going to be additional dialogue. I mean, based on the dialogue alone, it wouldn't surprise me if that just doubles the length of the experience. But it's kind of a shame as well, because I mean, I feel like because of the whole Zach thing, people are going to expect more Zach, well, which gives away a huge. Plot line. Well, we don't know what's going to happen with that, isn't it? Because, no. I mean, they could start doing more flashbacks. They could introduce more flashbacks into the experience. Because, yeah, obviously, Zack, when the first game came out, was such a small part. Yeah. Whereas now, he's he's one of the most popular so characters. So many people love him. So I don't know if, like, they would even include him in the first part. Like, would they include all of that bit and give away the whole story, essentially, about Cloud? I it, I don't think he would, because he doesn't get mentioned until quite, uh, quite a bit later yeah. in the game. yeah. But I feel like people would be expecting him. Yeah, but it depends they, on how but strong. That maybe, maybe that's the kind of thing that people can get have to wait for because, like, yeah. in the first part, you're probably not going to see Vincent. Well, yeah, and you won't see you won't see Kate Seth. You won't see really any of those kind of characters yet. You won't you yeah. won't be able to get Yuffie. You won't be able to get. Depends where the cut point is because mm. you can get her before you go to Junin. Mm. So I mean, it, yeah, it, it depends. It really depends what the cut points are going to be. Then what they'd want to do, what 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 phase or what stage? Because if they went to the cut points of the original game with the discs, that's a hell of a lot of stuff they need to that shove is. into that first disc. Yeah, and I mean, like the third disc is essentially just a throwaway because it's just where you do all your side quests before you go into yeah into media and weapons stuff. weapons and all that stuff. Yeah, but then that's the other thing as well. What are they going to do about Eris's weapon? Because you have to get it before she dies. I I don't know. 
I mean, it, it, these are the kind of challenges that they're going to have to face. Yeah. And I, but then to me, okay, so I guess we should address whether or not we think this is a good idea. You kind of said you're pissed off about it, but you can see why. Well, yeah. But I think for me, sure, I think I would have probably preferred a, a, a single game, but I think I'm, I have no idea how they would be able to do that. Mm. And I think that's the same probably for a lot. If you think, if you really think about how, based on other games that are on the market, that kind of thing, could you envision a game the size of Final Fantasy VII and every single thing that comes with it, every single NPC, that, and they're probably going to have to create a lot more, every single mini game, every single location, the world map in its the scale that it's going to have to be presented with now? Could could you feasibly see that happening in a game of this size? Okay, some people were saying The Witcher Three, Fallout Four, those kind of games, but then they only started working on this probably about a year ago, and realistically if they want to capitalize on the anniversary that has to come out next year they're not going to be able to build a game of that size in two years i mean you know it's funny that people say that about the witcher granted i'm not i'm not familiar with the witcher series really but i am familiar with fallout and it's extremely repetitive they have the same missions over and over and over again final fantasy isn't like that no it's it's like a Final Fantasy VII is a linear, non-linear experience. Mm. Everything you experience is on the way to doing something. And all of the side quests are completely different from each other, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, with the exception of the games that you can revisit in the Gold Saucer, the Chocobo Breeding, you have Ford Condor. Yeah. Like, they're completely unrelated, completely different experiences. And, and Fallout doesn't really have that. You go around to buildings and you shoot things and you collect things and then you build things. Yeah, it's completely different. Because if you think, everyone, I mean, everyone complains about Final Fantasy XIII for being linear. But if you think about Final Fantasy VII, really, it's also very linear. Like, until you leave Midgar, you have real, real, no real choice about what you can do or where you can go. Mm. Once you leave Midgar... You can go to Calm. There's pretty much nothing you can do there. Okay, you can go to the Choppy Ranch. There's pretty much nothing you can do there. Then, so you have to go through the caves to get to the other side so you can go to Junin. But again, aside from going to Fort Condor, I believe, there's nothing else you can do there either. No, you can't even like do any... You can't do like no. Emerald Weapon or anything because you don't have a submarine like, yet. Until you get the tiny Bronco, I don't think there's anywhere else you could really go other no. than the way you have to go to progress the story. It's deceptively linear. Yeah, and like I think... You can go to Gongaga. That's so, I think that's the first time, instead of going to Cosmo Canyon, you can go to Gongaga and you can get a bit of extra story. And that's probably the first time that you can actually do anything off the beaten path. But sure, there's like stuff that you can do with the Gold Saucer. You can play all the minigames. You can spend all day there if you wanted but to. But you can't get to the Gold Saucer until you get a ticket, can you? Yeah, but that's still part of the story, right? Yeah. When you're there, you can do other things. Yeah. There's all the minigames. You can yeah. probably start doing... You, I don't think you can do Chocobo Racing at that point because you can't get back to the Chocobo Ranch. Yeah, no, you have to go through. You have to get it through the um the story because when you get into that prison, isn't it? But it's like, yeah, there's so much stuff that is actually it. It's not an it's open trapped. world game. It's like no. Fallout. You could just suddenly say, okay, I don't want to do main story. I want to go and do every single billion side quest. So I yeah. want to just explore the map. I want to do all this stuff. But granted, you can't like get into certain. There's certain bits that you can't get into that are like major story. But like you can essentially do whatever you want, really. But the other thing is, is that even though. It's like an extremely repetitive game and all that sort of stuff in mind. There's so many glitches. And if they did that with Final Fantasy VII and had this huge game that has all these different minigames, it's it's for sure going to be glitchy as hell. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think they're prepared. Just thinking back to Final Fantasy VII and, and most Final Fantasy games, obviously people spend a lot of time on games, those games. But most of that time is spent at the end game phase. Like, with Final Fantasy VII, okay, you can put a lot of time into getting uh, Eris' ultimate weapon and getting Eris' final limit break. But aside from that, there's not really anything that you'd want to spend your time on up until you get to the end of Disc 2, maybe Disc 3, and that's when you can start saying, okay, I want to get the um, Gold Chocobo, I want to get all the summon, all of the different materials, I want to try and beat the weapons, But again, I want to try and get Omni Slash, I want to try and do this, I want to try and do that. But you can't really do any of that until you get to that point, and like in 10, okay, well, there's not really much you can do until you get to the Calm Lands, and you can do the Monster Arena, and then you can try and beat all the Dark Aeons, and you can try and beat Penance, but when you're on Disc 1, it's no notion of being able to no. do that at all. No, you can't, no, you can't really do anything, like, you can't do much until you get the airship, and then you can go back and do that sort 
do all that stuff. You can't go to Baj Temple again. Yeah. There's no real but, yeah. need to do it. Like eight as well. Like you could you could start leveling up. You could get to level 100. It would take you a long time, but you could get to level 100 quite early on. There's no point. It's only no. when you get to the end, you're like, all right, well, I want to try and beat a mega weapon now. That's when you suddenly start thinking, okay, I'm going to have to try and take this seriously. I'm going to have to go and like spend all this time grinding. I'm going to have to get all the do, get all the magic drawing so that I have enough if, uh, stuff for the junctioning system. I want to le- like get all the different summons, but I can't do that on disc one. Yeah. Whereas in Fallout, pretty much as soon as you start, you can suddenly just walk off somewhere and start doing side quests that yeah. have no relation to anything else you you're doing. You can go up against um, huge enemies. Like you can go and um, attack a death call. You can. I mean, I don't know why you would want to. <laughs> Those things are scary, but um, but yeah, no, you can do you can do a lot, and there's no sort of um, there's no sort of like notion as to how much how how big a level you need to be in order to fight those things like you can just walk in the wrong direction and find a really powerful enemy the only game that i think that you could sort of have that with is maybe like final fantasy 3 but that's only because they want to just um set you straight like in the very beginning of final fantasy 3 there's one part where you're with the vikings and they're just like yeah, there's a big uh drag there's a big sea monster that's affecting our um sort of trade and stuff in like uh near where you are and you can choose to go and fight it. The only problem is is that when you go to choose and fight it, it knocks crap out of you and you're dead. Like I think the only thing with like Final Fantasy 7 where I can think about that is that snake thing which you can't really beat if you're low level, but you can try. But yeah. yeah. I think we've exhausted that subject now. I think yeah. we can, yeah. I mean, yeah, the final, the final verdict is, I, in my wildest dreams, I wish it could be a full game, but I, I can understand fully why that, why they're going to have it as episodic. I'd say, yeah, and by doing it this way, it's raised my expectation, which is probably not a good thing on their part, but now they've said that I'm going to get multiple parts that are all going to be raising, like trying to get that like mass effect standard mm. multiple parts triple a games I mean, how, how's that how's that a bad thing yeah like they're going to properly expand everything this is going to be probably one of the best produced games of all time it has to be since it's probably one of the, the most uh sought after yeah the most sought after games of all time everyone's been asking for this remake they are doing it this way so they can give every single facet of this game full attention and they're going to expand parts in it as well it's going to be great so i mean we don't have time to talk about it really but we could see parts of Crisis Core coming into it. We could see parts of Dirge Servers coming into it. They could start to expand and bring in the wider mythology if they wanted to. Because both of those games, and even before Crisis as well, both all of those products have things that are taking place during Final Fantasy VII. So there's nothing to say they couldn't start talking about those. We could learn more about the fact that Genesis was actually chilling around <laughs> during the Mako Reactor when all that stuff was going on in the original Final Fantasy VII, which we didn't know about. Like mm. They might decide to put him in there. Maybe it depends on Gact's licensing agreement. But <laughs> yeah. there's lots of things they could do with it. Yeah. And I think, for me, if it's episodic, it's I see it as a big positive. We're yeah. going to get the first part a lot sooner than we would have had to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have taken like four or five years to develop it as a single game. Exactly. We don't want another Final Fantasy 15. No, no. We just don't want that. No, Nomura's track record is not very good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways. Yes, anyways, (laughs) that's that topic done and dusted. Feel free to let us know your thoughts. Are you happy with it being a multi-part series? Not episodic? Yes, no, not episodic. not episodic. Multi-part. Multi-part. And if not, why not? Tell us. All right, so we're going to move on to our question segment. Just a reminder, if you want to send questions to us, you can either just uh, ping us on Facebook, Twitter, or you can email us at podcast at com. And the question we have today is from Joseph Hare, who asked us on Facebook, and he said, since we've seen that Square Enix are not prepared to let Lightning fade away, as they have with other main characters, what do you think about her future? Huh. It's very interesting. Um, But I feel like I don't think it's going to, um, like, this is my own sort of thought process of it. I don't know if it's going to amount to anything. I think it's they're just using her because that's all they really have. I think that they're really they're really playing on um the sort of current trend with women in video games and that sort of thing. And it's a really smart idea for a marketing perspective. Not only are they getting attention from um things like Taku and um Jezebel and all those sort of sites, but like it's the only character that I could see them actually doing anything with. So I don't know if it's necessarily that 
they're planning on doing anything with her. Are you talking specifically about the marketing campaign with Louis Vuitton? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking this is more of a general question, actually, in terms oh. of what do you think about the future of her as a character? Like, do you think they might do more games with her? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think, I don't think that they will. Yeah, I can kind of understand what you're saying, because like, if you think about the wider notion of Final Fantasy, people know Cloud. Does the wider gaming community know Zidane Tribal? Not Probably really. not. I mean, people might know Titus. Mm-hmm. They might know Squall, but they'll know Cloud. Yeah, and, and they'll, know, they'll Lightning. know Lightning. That's the thing. Like, um, yeah, what, what I was trying to get at was that the only reason why they're using Lightning now is because that's all they really have to show. Um, they can't use Eris. Um, Eris doesn't really have, although she's really popular, she doesn't have that kind of clout that Lightning has. Doesn't fit with, and Tifa doesn't fit really. Yuna is not that popular. Um, Garnet is nowhere near. Terra maybe, but she's still quite cult classic. Uh, yeah, I mean, like if like so, we're seeing how now that like for example, Louis Vuitton is like on big advertising in shopping centers. Mm. Like there's a. I'm not saying a massive chunk, but there will be a chunk of people within the gaming community who would walk past and go, oh, it's Lightning. Mm. They put up Terra without any, without any, like, saying, this is Terra Branford from Final Fantasy VI. Most people would just be like, who the hell is that? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's this all about? Yeah, and if they want to capitalize on the sort of um, women movement or whatever, they have to use someone like Lightning because she's strong and... If anything, with uh, Lightning Returns, it sort of makes it understandable because you can dress her up and, you know, she um, she does have that sort of thing with accessorizing and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there really isn't anybody else that they could use. So do I think that they're going to do anything game-wise with her in the future? I, I doubt it. No, outside of cameos. I mean, obviously, she's going to be in Final Fantasy Explorers. Yeah. Um, I think she's been mentioned for World of Final Fantasy. Dissidia. And you've got Dissidia coming out. So she's already got a lineup of cameos on the way. Yeah. But, but I don't think it's going to I mean, be it's, it's not going to turn into, like, the compilation of Final Fantasy VII because if you look at that, they have such a diverse cast of characters that they could pick on. Like, okay, see, so people know Cloud. People know Sephiroth. People know Tifa. They know Eris. They know Vincent. They know Sid. They know, they know Barrett. Like, yeah. A lot of people know of that entire cast, so there's a lot they could do with it. And with Crisis Core, I mean, enough. Even though Zach's small part, everyone knows Zach still because of the different cameos he's had, etc. And obviously, it was like uh, they introduced new character. Genesis has now become a thing. Mm. Uh, I mean, gen- like Crisis Core was almost a decade ago now. Yeah. People still care about Genesis. Yeah. It's. It's weird. Yeah. And um, I mean, even Dojo Cerberus, they just said, all right, well, we don't care about the main cast anymore. We're going to do a game about a secret character that you might never have even seen. I guess the only thing you could sort of compare it to is like, like so using something completely sort of random, but sort of similar. Think about my neighbor Totoro. You see Totoro everywhere. Totoro is absolutely everywhere. Have they made a sequel to my neighbor Totoro? No. They just sort of use him as a marketing thing. They, yeah. they think he's cute, so let's use him. Well, I mean, and they've, they've done the lightning, lightning. They've done the lightning trilogy, yeah, basically. I, so they don't need to do anything more. They just need to no. use her as a as a marketing thing. I think they'd only do more with the Final Fantasy Thirteen franchise if they had other cast members that were strong. But none of the other cast members are strong. No, They're, so they'll use her for like, um, yeah. I mean, fashion. You're never going to see. Kind of you're never going to see uh, Sars really. I mean, maybe Sars, but I. Like, most of the other cast members, I wouldn't expect they'll ever do cameos with no. in other games. No. Um, I mean, the only one that he might crop up I'd say, is like Caius because he's kind of projected himself, but it, that's it's only because there was nothing else. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Noel, as much as I think Noel's a great character, he's too generic. Mm. There's No one talks about Noel anymore. No hope, no s- snow. No, I mean, snow just kind of fades, um, like... Oh, um, Vanille and Fang maybe could have a double act cameo. The only person, but, like the only other character in general who I think might have the potential to be a marketing sort of thing is Noctus. And that's the only one. But that's only because he's a hot topic at the but, moment. But I mean, that one has, it depends what they do with the other cast members. I mean, Prompto is already starting to get a fan base. Ignis mm-hmm. is starting to get a bit of fan base. We have no idea what's gonna, how it's going to pan out no. with them. So that could be an interesting one. But with... Uh, with Seven, it was the cast, the cast of characters. Everyone knows about the cast of characters. 
As I said, Dirge of Cerberus, it was a game about Vincent, a secret character that you might not have even unlocked because it actually was a little bit difficult. Mm. And then the secondary character in that game is Yuffie, another secret character. And then the third character in that game is Kate Sith. I mean, come on. Like, they just, like, those, those three characters are the principal in that game. And they introduce new, new characters. And then the other characters make very small cameos. But that didn't matter. It's the game still sold based on the fact it was Vincent. What? I mean, like, could you imagine, <laughs> I don't know, like, they, it'd be like doing a game based around Chocolina or something. I don't yeah. know. It, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy the fact that Vincent is such a popular character considering he was not a main cast member. Yeah. Doesn't appear in most cutscenes or anything. Yeah, no, I hated using Vincent. Like, I was thinking when I played through the last time, I was like, I, I didn't get him the first time I played through. And this time I was just kind of like, really? That that was it? Like, okay. Yeah. But it's just his style, isn't it? It's it's the style of him. And it's the same with Lightning. It's just her flair. I mean, they could... But Yuna is just a strong character, but she doesn't have the same sort of it factor that Lightning does. I think Ten Two kind of started giving it to her a bit. Yeah, but, but they, still not yeah, good it was, enough. It was Ten Two. <laughs> yeah. She wouldn't be anything without Riku and Pain with her as well. So, but yeah, no. Live on Lightning. We did have another another question that I'd like to um, address. Uh, <laughs> this one is from Mark Robbins, and he said, "Who are you voting for in this year's Classic FM Hall of Fame?" Oh, yeah, we need to pimp that out, don't we? Yep. Yeah. So that's uh, that's open for voting now. If you want to go to the Classic FM Hall of Fame, you can vote for your favorite video game pieces in the Hall of Fame and get them some more popularity. Mm. I think we may be voting for Umatu-san. Definitely. I mean, who else can we vote for? Honestly, Hamazi. Ishimoto. You can vote for all of them. Vote for all of them. People have been saying Mitsudak for his chrono work. Because you can, you can do multiple, multiple votes. Yeah, three so. votes. Yeah. Uh, what happened last year? Who was was it? Final Fantasy VII or was it? No, they they um collective. they bring them all together. So now yeah. it's it's Final Fantasy Collective because I think they would get a bit upset. <laughs> it is so funny though because they get the um classical people get so offended over the fact that like Final well, Fantasy gets I, up there. I still don't understand how they can justify condensing Uematsu's all of his games into one oh, yeah, thing no. whereas like each film composer gets every film separated they've ever yeah. done uh, yeah. like what it's just because there's so much hatred towards video game um composers still like they just think that they're lesser than which is so pathetic I guess I mean it's a weird system anyway because yeah you'd have your classical composers who get voted based on a piece yeah then you get the film composers who are done based on a film and then you get the game composers who are up based on a franchise. Also, I get just so bored with it. Like, I mean, granted, like, I'm I'm a fan of classical music. I don't mind it. But how many times can you freaking listen to something like Claire de Lune and just be like, all right, it's the same thing again. Or Wagner. It's like, all right. Yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I guess when you're talking about those pieces, it, it's appreciation purely on the musical merits. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of people with the film and video game music are influenced based on how the track was used. Yeah, and how it makes in, them feel. Yeah, it's exactly. the feels. Whereas with the classical pieces, there also there is no feels. It's the feels come from the music alone. There's mm-hmm. nothing else. Which is why sometimes I think. But then when, how can you rank them each year? Well, that's why it's down to personal opinion, isn't it? Yeah. But that's why I feel sometimes when the classical people are listening to it, they listen to it and they don't have that aside they don't they have maybe they haven't watched the film maybe they don't know about the video game series so they're just listening to this piece purely on its merits and i mean i'm gonna be honest some of the pieces that get nominated aren't the best (laughs) but i can see why they've been nominated because of the impact they've had on people's lives yeah well i I mean like you think about like near like near coming in and like that's quite pop that's quite modern and i think it could be on its merits i think it could be Really good, pe- like really up there. I could listen to the near soundtrack, but then again, maybe it's only because I've actually played it. But I didn't. I I listened to the near soundtrack p- before I played the game, and I loved it. <laughs> I know. I was. I think I've talked about it before, but like playing the game can change your perception quite heavily mm. about the music, because um, back when we had very long periods of time between releases, it was quite common that we would actually get the soundtrack. Before it's like you know, if you're listening to the Star, the Star Wars Force Awakens soundtrack, it was leaked or whatever. You could listen to it before the film came out, mm. and when you're doing that, you don't know the context of the piece, so you, no. that's when you're listening to the music based on its merits. Mm. And I did that with Final Fantasy X too, 
And I thought the music was abysmal. I was just like, what the hell have they done here? <laughs> this is not Final Fantasy music. Yeah. I can't listen to any of this. It's all dross. Yeah. The one piece I liked was Mount Gagazette because I thought, okay, this actually has some substances. It's got some melodies. I can, I can work with this. I can listen to this as a piece of standalone music. Then when I played the game, I found... Actually, the rest of the music's pretty good. Mark Gazette just doesn't work. Like this is this is a horrible piece. It doesn't fit with the this like the, when they played it at all. Like, what, what what were they thinking? But that's like that, just so interesting how your perceptions can change. Yeah. When you just listen to the music in complete isolation, and I don't think too many people listen to video game music in complete isolation, having never played the game before. Which is, if you're in the video game music community, you'll you'll do it semi-regularly because you'll get the game sounds the music before you actually play the game mm. and it's a very different experience i can tell you that although to be fair like you you think about like how many people get introduced to new uh to different final fantasies from going to like distant worlds i mean obviously there's there there are tracks within the other games that can be listened yeah, to there's a couple that you don't that you don't know like um a dark world from Final Fantasy VI. It's like if you haven't played that game yet, but it can still stand alone and be just as beautiful. Final Fantasy XIII, blinded by light, that whole lightning suite with the violin. I mean, you can you can get just as emotional because it's but a then, very like, so beautiful for example, piece. For example, the, light, the blinded by light. How many people that go into those concerts have never heard that before? It's, it's going to be a it's very true. small it's percentage. It's very true. And most of them will have some frame of reference. But then it is that, it is that the the more obscure games that you get to learn, like um, Gilga- uh, the Gilgamesh... Uh, Battle on the Big Bridge. Battle on the Big Bridge. <laughs> Battle on the Big Bridge. That is a hell of a tongue twister. Um <laughs> Like that, like that's an awesome, awesome, awesome battle theme. But it depends on the version. Because because some of the versions of Battle on the Big Bridge, I think, are terrible. Yeah. So if I'd have listened to that one, I'd say, what the hell am I listening to? But it's It's, it's difficult, isn't it? it? Like, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's strange. But it's like with song, like, I'm going to make you do it. The next time, like, a big game comes out, I'm going to make you listen to the soundtrack and then see how you feel. Because I, I, I didn't play through all of Sonic the Hedgehog because I couldn't beat it. But, like, when you make me listen to certain songs within the Sonic the Hedgehog soundtrack that I absolutely love, but I haven't gotten to that level yet, like um, the one where they're flying, which I can't remember the name of at the moment. But is that because I'm forcing you to listen to it and then I'm <laughs> explaining why why it means something to me? Like, no, because it's a no, cute if, song. If you were going through and you actively were just kind of, it came up maybe, not not saying randomly came on, but, like, mm. you wouldn't actively go and be like, oh, I've never listened to this piece of music before. I want to listen to it. And then just kind of sit there and go, oh, actually, yeah, it's pretty good. The only it's, one... It's difficult. I love, I love the end battle theme for Sonic, um, 2. Sonic 2. And I hadn't listened to that before, and I loved it. But everyone loves that. But why? It's because it's good that's, music. That's what I mean, though. I, some There are some pieces where it works really mm. well. But then equally, okay, so it's a, it's a great piece of music. But that could be the same... But then, when you actually when you actually watched it in the game, you might think, well, this just doesn't fit. But that could be said the same about classical music. Uh, who talks about every single one that I Beethoven I know, but that's what said? I'm saying. With a classical person, they don't have that other frame of reference. No. So they're listening to it purely on whether they like it as a musical piece. But then they should be forced to listen to it more. <laughs> I think they it's like, like if it. If you're listening to, like... If they um, didn't know, like, that's what we keep saying, though. If they didn't listen to it and didn't, didn't know that it was a video game and ended up liking it, I think that they'd probably be more open-minded to it. It's the closed-minded people that get me pissed off it's just like i mean there's like so the planets is yeah. always a good one there's certain parts of the planet suite that, that, is just, that boring. are just really terrible but there are, there are like i think it's mars there's, yeah, a, there's mars a small segment great. in mars uh, which they use for the the rug that is a rugby theme but it's there's a small segment which is just it's jupiter as well is, which is just lovely to listen to and there are yeah there's small parts of things that you know but it's like the four seasons as well everybody knows spring it's like everybody knows that well, what about the rest of the piece but yeah the rest of the piece they don't know and like um beethoven's the fifth and it just keeps on going and going and going. But then you also there's think, so much more of that song. But then it's the same thing. Like, how many pieces of music did Beethoven write? Mm. Most people in the general public probably know, like, 1%, yeah. 2%. Yeah. Like, what about the rest of it? Yeah. And it's the same. Like, you think about a Final Fantasy experience. There's 100 tracks. They're not all going to be winners. No, it's right? not. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Some of them are designed specifically. But, like, there's probably... I mean, if they're doing a Distant Worlds tour or a concert, that set list, they are the favourites. They are the ones where typically they're saying that sound good but if they start they just went through and they said all right 
we're going to orchestrate the entire Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. Some of it wouldn't probably sound that great. No, no, it's true. But anyways, regardless, I just, yeah, I think that, I think that it should be separated. Yeah. But I understand why, because the angry classical people. It's difficult. It's a, it's an interesting topic. I love talking about music. I know you do. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I like talking about music too. And on that note, we're going on to our music segment. Okay. Which is from Final Fantasy IV, <laughs> and it's a, a vocal arrangement of The Theme of Love by Sabrina mm. Valenzuela. So feel free to go and check her out on YouTube. It's Sabrina, V-A-L-E-N-Z-U-E-L-A. Oh, your Zs. It's the correct way of saying it. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Because I thought it was Z. No, that's the made up way. Because do you say Zebra? Well, I don't say Zebra. You don't say Zebra? No, Zebra, yeah. <laughs> but it's not Zed. Zebra? Zebra? <laughs> that sounds so funny. No one Zebra. Like the, the, the singular form of a letter doesn't really influence how it's said in the word. Venezuela. Zoo. Do you say ou- ouch? You say, because H, you don't say that when you start a word, do you? <laughs> Come on. Ah, oh, gosh. You can't, you can't have words about, you can't have a discussion about the semantics of the English language because it makes no sense whatsoever. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. All right. So the next episode of Final Fantasy Union, where you can listen to our squabbling about the English language, <laughs> is on the 2nd of February. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Just search for Final Fantasy. We are the number one show that comes up. Alternatively, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is forward slash FFUnionVids, and we now got over a thousand subscribers. Yay! Yay! And be sure to check out FinalFantasyUnion.com. We are hoping, fingers crossed, to have the new website launched mm, within, I'm going to say within the next two months. <laughs> I want it sooner, but yeah, things go. Yeah. Never goes to plan. No. Um, so yeah, if you really enjoy what we do, uh, please support us on Patreon. Go and check out the page, patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. Check out the stuff that we're going to be offering. You can get free badges. You can come on the show. There's loads of stuff that is going to, is, that, that we we're offering off. So, uh, yeah, check it out. And uh, if you really enjoy what we do, please do support us. But mm. that's pretty much it we've got for this episode. Yeah. I'd say it was a pretty good episode. Yeah. yeah. Lots of rants. Lots yep. of discussions. Yep. Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah. Mm. I'm excited. Bye. <laughs> Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.
because no one is by your side. You can't find the path into the light. As I stand in the That is not being said.